Because sometimes, even when they're great, you know, you get into, we'll, we'll probably talk about on this, the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. Mm-hmm. I love Jackie O'Haley. The guy's a but, hell of an actor. But, He's an amazing actor. But when you have a character that sticks out, so just like, uh, the, the, you, you want to start recording? We're already in pre-roll. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Hey, Dude, welcome <laughs> to episode 170. Don't want to waste it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> It is the 10th of February, 2021, and we are talking about horror remakes. Mm, do we have like two hours? I've Dude, got a lot of good, I got a good, lot the of bad, and the ugly. We have as long as we need. Dude, don't, don't get me started. So, so that we won't uh, take up too much of your time in the pre-roll. Um, First, the old business. It is old business, and on this date in 1906, the world welcomed in a Mr. Creighton Tull. Also know. known as Lon Chaney Sr. Nice. The man. Aww. Pretty much, I mean... Name, if there, if name the, a monster, yeah. If there, if there is greatness in the horror genre, he's right up there at the top. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful talent. Uh, 1929, composer Jerry Goldsmith. He's known for like Alien, Twilight Zone. He did a lot of stuff. Um, he gets confused sometimes with John Williams, and occasionally, strangely enough, with Danny Elfman. Huh. But, uh, what a weird he's thing. He's so distinctive, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What a weird thing. Yeah, it was. I can't remember exactly what movie it was, but it was. It sounds like a Danny Elfman soundtrack, but then it turned out to be Jerry Goldsmith. It's. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so 1967, um, Laura Dern. She's known for more than what's her name in Star Wars. The, the... Dude, that's how much people don't give a shit. No, <laughs> no, Admiral person. Yeah. Who... <laughs> it was like, this was like Hold, Holdo. Yeah, some, Hold, I think it was like Admiral Holdo or something like that. Yeah. That's a lot of times in movies you need the god from the machine to save the characters. In this one, they're like, okay, well, our set, our salvation is right over there. <laughs> But in this whole series of never needing, never, never even needing fuel for our ship, suddenly I, I, I was listening. Was, All of us run out of gas at the same time. Right. I was listening to a podcast. Uh, the guy was talking about about that movie, about that Star Wars movie, and how it was a, a severely ineffective and poorly shot and poorly written rendition of the Hunt for Red October, and and it makes perfect sense. It's just. It doesn't have the power of the cast. It doesn't have the atmosphere. It doesn't have the logic. But it literally is just a poor man's sci-fi version of The Hunt for Red October. That's a really good point. I never thought of it yeah. like that before. And, and it made me immediately put on The Hunt for Red October. More, my wife had never seen it. Like, get prepared. Gene <laughs> Hackman. Or not, not Hunt for Red October. Covering. I was thinking of the wrong way. Uh, Crimson Tide. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Crimson yeah. Tide. Yeah. So you get this, uh, it's Gene Hackman versus Denzel Washington. Like, dude, every every Oscar person in the world is like, oh, we're not winning anything this year. <laughs> it's like Daniel Day-Lewis is nominated. Well, good luck. Better luck next year. See you guys later. All right, 1974, Elizabeth Banks. 
She was in Hunger Games, but she was also in Slither. Yes. And then 1997, I think probably, I mean, young is young. I mean, but Chloe Grace Moritz, she's known as kind of a child actress. Hit girl. She was Hit Girl. She was in Let Me In. She was in, she's been in quite a bit of good horror stuff. So she's she's even coming up. That's going that's going to get mentioned. With the let me in. That's, oh yeah, that's got to get mentioned. All right, this date in history. Um, in the year two thousand, we lost uh, Mr. Jim Varney. Oh, uh, I when he passed. I mean, I was a big Ernest fan, but I was I was living in New Mexico, and the local paper did an article on him, and the headline was "Ernest Goes to Heaven." Oh, I was like oh, 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 <laughs> he was awesome. He, he was, was beautiful man, and caring. Uh, they, when just he wanted was, to make people laugh. When he was dying, when he was in his hospital, in, in the hospital room, he had to have his wife bring his his uh, his earnest outfit, and he would like unplug and sneak down to the children's ward to entertain children. Damn, that's awesome. like shut up, Jim Barney. <laughs> you're just too beautiful. Like we Mr. Rogers we didn't. You're right. We didn't deserve you for all the shit we've well, done. The funny thing is, like I remember when his movies were current and they were first coming out, and like. Like somebody like Siskel and Ebert would be like scared stupid. Right. Like, this is a stupid movie. You're like, it's in the title. Yeah, it's like, supposed dude, to be. Dude. He's not to the be bad that. guy is him with his own hand on top of his head. You need like, to calm down here. But buddy. the reality is, it's a funny ass movie, especially right. for kids. And a lot of times, I think because I noticed this with with my own kids, start watching old movies, that you know. You can you can you can see the wires and you can see sure. the seams and the masks, but if you stop and you look at your kid and they they're sitting there with their eyes wide open and their mouth open and they're just like yeah it resonates and then you like look Cross back generation yeah. suddenly those seams are not there right the the, the 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 wires are not there you can you can sit there and enjoy it again right and, and earnest movies are hilarious it's one of those things that's proof that you know not everything needs to be dissected for its its possible award winning quality sometimes you sit down and just let go dude yep. and just enjoy it let that man do his dick and entertain you yep 2008 we lost Roy Scheider ugh dude had the biggest travesty in jaws 3 they mentioned his death off screen what kind of shit was that? They couldn't say like he decided to go and retire to some island and live the good life with like the Hawaiian tropics girls. Instead, there's like one quick passing and a picture of him on a wall. Like, oh yeah, he died last year. But anyway, back to Jaws. Yeah. Well, they 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 try to make up for that in Jaws Four, which was just not a. Big <laughs> they just name. should not have made Jaws Four. And it would have made up for that. <laughs> what was Jaws Four? Was that Jaws in Jamaica? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. But they, they pointed out because that's when uh, the shark kills Sean right. at the beginning. And so then Ellen goes to Jamaica to hang out with Mike. Who's become she a, she's the, got the flashbacks. Who's become a like marine that. biologist. But she's having flashbacks of the ship that she was never on. Right, yeah. You saw, <laughs> you the saw orcas, Yeah, the orcas yeah, so You were nowhere near there, lady. But... Um, but then Mike's, you know, like, oh, you know, the shark killed your brother, it killed your dad. He's like, dad died of a heart attack. And she's like... It was because he was so worried. It was a shark, a goddamn shark. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking shark did it. <laughs> Which I know you saw that uh, cut scene from Jaws um, that shared on on the forum the other day of uh, 
the, 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 the rowing coach. Yeah, yeah. And instead of, like, him just going under and his leg falling off, they showed him, like, being pushed through the water and holding Michael and, like, shoving him away. And, like, that kid would not have become a marine biologist. Nope. He would have not been in Jaws 2 sailing on sailboats either. That kid would have never gotten in the goddamn water. <laughs> no, like, we're moving to, like, Arizona, like, landlocked Wisconsin. Uh-huh. We're not, we don't even have water there. All right, in movies, February 10th, if you were living in 1989, you might have gone to see The Fly 2. I did. I did. I was 10 years <laughs> I old. I did. 2006, maybe Final Destination 3, which, again, kind of like the Ernest movies, I don't care. Final Destinations are all entertaining. Yeah, they're fun. Like the, the, they're the deaths fun. Are it's one of those, you literally you, just turn your brain off. You, you want to see, you wanna see what the happen. next kill is going to be. Well, right. You want to see what they come up with. It's, it's porn. It's but, porn. But it's like, a, like with Friday the 13th, you can always be like, well, how did he come back from the grave? When it's death is the the bad guy, right? then it doesn't matter. Death's just in a bad mood, so he's just going to tie some shit to a thing and let the, the yeah, hook yeah. fall. You, and it's just like... You're in there, okay. looking, you're in there looking for story, man. You're trying way too hard. It's like, oh, I watched porn for the acting. Like, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and martial arts movies, too. Uh, I need to see what plot they're following this film. No, I want to see one dude walking down the street in a fighting gi and another dude raking his rock garden in a different fighting gi. And he looks at it like, hey, what are you doing? Hmm, who cares? Let's fight. And yep. they just get into it. 2012... The Woman in Black, which was surprisingly good when Is I that, saw it. Is that the one with... Harry Potter in it. Yeah. Daniel, what's his face? Radcliffe. Radcliffe, yeah, yeah. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It's very atmospheric. I don't mind a good slow burn. I mean, you can't just you can't just ratchet it up all the time. Sometimes you have to dig into plot and allow things to... I like haunted house movies. I, li- I, I like to like, a point. I like turning a corner and seeing something in the shadows that's not quite right, but there's no real light to shine it on, and it's just kind of creepy. I like I like exploring ex- abandoned places and stuff. So that kind of movie just fits right into my kind of right. in my interest zone. I'm like, there's ghosts, bonus, but I just want to go look around at all the cool old shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep showing me that house, will you? <laughs> So you probably love The Haunting, which was just 90, but they don't even really show you anything. It's just things knocking and something maybe moves in the background and they look, the whole movie's literally this chick just walking around looking at shit and the camera randomly just zooms in on her face. (laughs) You don't really see anything in that movie. (laughs) All right, well, that's old business. Let's take a break. Will everyone in the theater hold on firmly to his seat, please? Stop it! Stop it! I'm Vincent Price. What unearthly horror did that girl gaze upon? What manner of incredible thing walked beneath that hood? It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic, words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. It isn't like any other fly I've ever seen. I've killed Andre. Please help me. Call the police and... The charge can only be murder. 
There were no mistresses. I had no lovers. Why did you kill him? God, don't let it get out. Inspector, Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. The fly's on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. Scott doesn't have any old, any new business, so... Took the day off. <laughs> <laughs> research be damned. You know what's interesting is, well, speaking of research, you know how, you know my feelings towards remakes. I don't particularly care for remakes. A lot of times I don't give them a chance, especially if it's a remake of a movie that I hold near and dear. So I started doing some research, okay? And there's more, out, you found more than you, than you realized? Well, or? not just that, you know, I, I researched the best horror movie remakes the worst horror movie remakes, mm-hmm. the uh, horror movies that should be remade, and horror movies that should never be remade. Mm. And what's interesting is, depending on the website you go to... Oh, yeah, it's a different list every if time. If you go to a website dedicated to horror, as opposed to Screen Rant, or a general Hollywood website, you will find the same movie on the Hollywood website that says it should be, uh, it, it should never have been remade, and you'll see it's one of the best remakes on sure. the horror website. Sure. It's so weird how that goes. It's uh, it, it's 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 frustrating yeah. <laughs> actually to be honest with you. When I saw on multiple lists, Event Horizon put up as something that should be remade, it drove me absolutely <laughs> crazy. <laughs> well, I think too, like I think you have certain situations where you have a good story that sometimes gets in the hands of somebody that's not necessarily capable of making it. Well, whether that's because the effects aren't there yet or the budget's not there right. or, or what. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why, and not just in the horror genre, but in all cinema, like, if you sat there and you looked on the internet and you're like, okay, what are the, what are the top 20 famous directors? You, you know all of the names. But if you were just to be like, name a bunch of directors, you're going to be like, okay, well, there's Spielberg, and there's Cronenberg, and there's Carpenter. You know, you'd get like maybe down to 10 before you really started having to think about it. There's a reason because those guys are in an echelon all their own. Yeah. They could work with zero budget and no-name actors. They could work with an infinite budget and the entire Hollywood A-list, and it would probably be equal quality because they're just that good. Right. So you have a movie like The Thing, which was originally made in 1951. So you fast forward, what, 30 years, right? And you put it in the hands of Carpenter. And you put Kurt Russell in it. Well, I mean, the whole cast, but really, Kurt Russell is the kind of anchor point of of that movie. I think your, your, your formula before you've ever even shot a frame is already there for greatness. Because... Right. You know, it's going to be hard to mess up that formula. There's going to be, which is weird because it got really bad reviews when it came out. Right. But I think sometimes, you know, like The Shining was another one. Got really bad reviews. But it's just because he was so far ahead of his time. Like, it didn't really, I think people were not realized how scared they were until like five years later. And then they're like, yeah. oh, shit. Right. The thing brings up the thing brings up a really good point. I mean, it's it's for me. It is it is. 
probably top three. Yes. Remake of For all most time. most of us, yeah. <laughs> At what point do you quantify it as a remake? Because if you watch The Thing from Outer Space, the, there's very little correlation. Well, that's the other thing is, you know, some remakes are so good, you forget about the original. The Thing is one of those. But the thing is... with did you watch it? Did you watch The Thing from Outer Space? I haven't seen The Thing from Outer Space. It has nothing but, but to do fly. with what Carpenter the did. The Fly. The Fly. It has, it has, so at what point, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 90% of those movies are a remake. It is an original telling, an original story of a different family. The only correlation is somewhat redneck and Leatherface. Mm-hmm. But they're all different. Very few of them are actual sequels, even though you throw a number at the end of them. They are remakes, but they're almost nothing like the film before, like The Fly like the thing is it a remake or is it something else like is it a new category and I think, can appreciate I, that because... I think for our discussion I'll answer your question I think that if if you're taking a movie like The Fly okay let's assume that the Vincent Price Fly never existed and it was an original concept right um maybe titled it The Bug I don't know but the fact that The Fly did exist and he they probably had to get rights sure. and 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 all of that stuff out of Universal, um, and that's one of those weird knots that gets tied whenever you think of Die Hard. Like if you watch the 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 the, the movies that made us about Die Hard, Die Hard was technically a sequel to another book right. that the guy had written right. with an older character playing the Bruce Willis character, and it was contracted to Frank Sinatra. So Die Hard, Frank Sinatra joint. Sequel to a movie that was never made. Right. Right. So, but The Fly was a remake of the 50s version of The right. Fly. So, when you and, do... and so even when they didn't necessarily follow the original source material or remake it frame by frame, it's still a remake. Right. And, and a lot of times I prefer a remake, and I've got some unpopular opinions on this, but if, a, if it's a remake of a movie where the new director and new writer makes it their own vision they don't try because you know you have remakes and I'll bring this one up real quick uh, Cats uh, uh, Stephen Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. they tried to make the same movie they basically took the same script and said okay let's make it a girl instead of a boy you know let's do this but it's the same when, when I heard that Fred Gwynn in that first movie and in his role and his character. That accent. I love John Lithgow, but there's no way he would have brought that same. Oh magic. no, the whole sometimes, sometimes dead is better. But when I, when I look at a remake, and this this is a very unpopular opinion, but Rob Zombie's Halloween. He made a new movie. He he did the Rob, Rob Zombie thing where he made Michael Myers an empathetic character. You know, someone that you felt sorry for initially because it was it, you. You got to know him as a child. You saw the shit that he went through. Right, right. I can appreciate. It's not. Is it the best movie? No, but I like it. I enjoy it. You know, because he made it his own movie instead of trying to make the exact same movie that Carpenter did. That, that it's just right, right. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a deadly ground across because yeah. at some point you want originality. But then you stop and go, but you left out all the good shit. But you don't want sacrilege. So <laughs> so you have to find that medium and you yeah. end up with, with dude, sometimes it just goes. You end up with child's play. Well, I think, I, think, <laughs> I think, too, that's, you know, when we say there's there's remakes and reboots, in the last 10, 15 years, remakes and reboots has kind of just become the order of the day. And even if they don't ever end, actually up, end up making it, 
websites will report that they're going to try to remake sure. some. Like, they're going to remake Schindler's List just to get people on Twitter. Right, right. Oh, Back to the Future possibly yeah. being talked about. Um, but whenever it really comes down to it, I mean, it's like, like you say, Pet Cemetery, and then they did It. And, you know, it's like there was those of us who thought that the Tim Curry version of It was just fine. Because if you read the book of It and you realize how how much material is there, you can't put it in a movie. No. You really can't put it in two movies. Well, like 80% of that book, though, is the history of dairy. Well, and that's true, but there's still a lot of oh, content no, yeah, that's yeah, no, shaved they, off. Oh, yeah, there's they, a lot of content in the two movies that that was was left out of... Uh, and even, even when, like, for example, if you remember the library... Was, no, it wasn't the library. It was the the Chinese restaurant scene mm-hmm. in the miniseries, and there were nods to material that are in the book. Right. So, like, there's this whole chapter where Mike, I think it's Mike, gets chased by this giant bird in his dreams, and it's it's Pennywise, it's it, right, 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 messing with his nightmares. But he is terrified of birds, right? And in the Chinese restaurant scene, his the thing that's in his soup. Is a bird. Is a bird. Right. And so, like, if you've read the book, you see that, you're like, oh. Like, that's kind of like almost showing that whole chapter without needing to film it by just putting that little bird in that bowl. Right. And it went around the table, and they all saw what they were fearing. And if you read the book, you knew it was was like a little little nudge, a little Easter egg, right? They didn't even have that scene in, in, uh, in the remake. And so, like... Or the sewer orgy. God, why dude. couldn't we get the sewer orgy? The sewer orgy, that was, I mean, that was a big deal. We need to bond. Let's have sex. Right? <laughs> um, he doesn't always hit it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> dude, read it going, well, this is going somewhere different. Here we go. So we play the sexy music. It's time to get it off. But, like, you know, it's like... And I guess, I mean, we can we can... I don't know if you have a list that you want to start with, but I was going to say, like, I think... We just round table it if you want. I think a dead level, like, easy place to start would be the Friday the 13th remake. Because it's actually somewhat polarizing. I like it. The thing was, I liked it. I will put it in, like, in a list of the Friday the 13th movies. It has its place Mm -hmm. above part eight and part nine. Right, right. Even maybe part seven. But the thing about it was the, the things that people criticize it for are all the things that I liked about it. In like, other words, like him moving fast, the traps, how he could get from one like place that. to another. And they, they gave it, they gave it a value. They made it yeah. something other than like in part eight where he's randomly, the chicks in the, the ballroom and she's looking at Jason and then she turns around and Jason's right there. Yeah. And then she turns to the right and he's there. And at one point, and I don't know if they did it on purpose, but Jason even stops and looks to where he was when she looked the first time. Like, he's realizing he's doing it now. Yeah. But they say, oh, it didn't break new ground. And for me, that's fine. Because when Friday the 13th began breaking new ground is exactly when I stopped being interested. I want to see a psychopath in a mask in the woods killing kids. Now, his little underground bunker that he had, like, you know, it's like, okay... That's sort of like the same little cabin that he had in part two. It's just, you know, he dug in. He's kind yeah. of, he's, a, he's a feral child. Like, there's all kinds of things that you can 
pull out of that and be like, that was actually pretty creative. In the it's survival stuff, mode. He's in a survival mode. I like the bells, like the strings he set yes. around the trap to know where people are. So so they, it, it gives it a reason to be. It's, yeah. And it doesn't like dig into it and make it a long thing. You get a quick little ding, ding, ding. You're like, oh, oh, that's how he knows you're at the that was another bus. thing was in 2009 that it was an incredibly violent slap. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like the kills were rough. Hanging the chick in the sleeping bag above the fire. The dude comes running out, gets caught in the bear trap. Mm-hmm. Body falls and you see him come running across the field with the machetes like I yeah. want that that Jason fucking kill you yeah he's not nice and right. he's not sympathetic and he oh he drowned in the he in had the a way. hard he life no dude, he's mean he he got and he got messed up as a kid think, sure but I, I think I think there's a lot of round tables on Friday where they talk about like oh because I started watching that documentary the other night and they were like all the actors were like oh he's sympathetic I'm like no he's not like, what know, happened to him sucks. What happened to him sucks, but you go watch part two, three, and four, and they're like, oh, he doesn't run. He does. He chases that cop right through the woods. Oh, yeah, yeah no, yeah. Steve Dash does a light jog and <laughs> this the whole time with that pickaxe. And, um, and so he, does, he, he chases her through the through the woods in part three. He runs. Yeah, he, and Ted he, White runs. You know, runs Brooker around. runs. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's mean all, you know, like, and, like, he's not... He doesn't hesitate. Right. He does not like Michael Myers where he sits there and like contemplates the death. He's like, you're dead, I'm out. And he, like, he goes around. He's, he's just, and he's brutal in that way. And I like that they didn't like try to soften him right. in the remake. And right. What's interesting is that point right there with that Friday the 13th is also what, in my opinion, made 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, all the uh, Halloween remakes work is that the Leatherface in 2003 is not the campy, goofy Leatherface. He's a killing machine. He's just a beast, dude. Me right. and Chris Majors were talking about that. Andrew Bernerski in that movie made Leatherface a totally different character. Mm-hmm. Right. Put him up to that level of Jason and Michael Myers where he was just a, just a killing machine, dude. Well, it, and was, I think, it was fun. It was refreshing to see that kind of stuff. I think the, I think what you have with, with, Chain, with Chainsaw Massacre from... from I want to say episode, but from movie one to movie two, is that like the saw is family and the chainsaw itself. The chainsaw was a tool that Leatherface was using yeah. right. in part one. He used a hammer. You know, it's like the, the um, can't think of his name, the hitchhiker. He had a switchblade. Like, uh, Ed, Gein, Ed Gwynn. Yeah, he, he was. Oh, no, it's Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill's the guy. Yeah. Uh, but um, like, it wasn't just focused on the chainsaw. The thing that made the chainsaw bad was the chainsaw is a brutal killing tool. Right, right, right. But but, but they, he only kills like one person with the chainsaw in the first movie. Yeah. He gets the brother. The, the one in the wheelchair. The, the one in the wheelchair. Yeah. Everybody else, like one gets on the hook, hook, two get a hammer. He goes, he's going for, for Marilyn Burns, but he never, he gets, never gets her. He never gets her, yeah. So, I mean, like, they took that piece of equipment and then... Pushed it into the sequels and made like anybody chasing with a chainsaw. I mean, that's that's some rough crap. Right that's there. a great remake, dude. To me, that has like the greatest jump scare that I've ever seen. When they're when what's it? Mosley and and Carolyn Williams are in the radio station. Oh God, yes, and that's two TCM two. Dude, Ooh, yes, it gets me every time because dude. you think he's. I mean, you know that there's menace in the air. The way it's shot, the lighting, it's all very. This guy's gonna kill this woman. And he's playing with her, and she's super scared, but she can't get him to leave. And he's just kind of, hey, what's over here? Is this, you know, he's like, oh, it's a records room. Oh, this is where you keep all the Beatles. Or, and he turns the light on. 
you never hear the chainsaw rev. It just it's instant. <laughs> and he comes right out like a like a fucking heart attack. <laughs> Caroline Williams, the fear that she has in that so whole scene. Good. He has her in the room Jeez. and he's, he's, and he's humping in the air with the oh, chainsaw. Dude, dude. It's just <laughs> and this one, TCM two is my favorite one. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, with, with, without without a doubt. The the genius lunacy of Dennis Hopper in the hardware store taking practice jabs with chainsaws trying to see which one feels better. Just insanity. I like how he has like four chainsaws yeah. going into the final he's battle. Like, he's got like he's got, pistols. He's, he's got to hang it all over the goddamn places. Speaking it. of chainsaws, you've wanted to mention this one for a while. Oh, the Evil Dead. Dude, Evil Dead. So, and, and what's so weird is there's there's a point of, of contention with that as well. Some people will argue Evil Dead 2 is not a remake is. of Evil Dead. And it is, quite literally. And I not only feel that it's it's one of the best remakes ever. It's For me, it's far superior it's to the movie. Evil Dead. It's, it's engaging. It's funny. It's It's lunacy all the way through. And I love it with my whole heart. I think the only argument that you can make that it's not a full remake is my argument after I've sat there and I watched all three movies mm-hmm. back to back. Like, right, it, right, right, right. And I was like, okay, here's what happened. It's somewhere around the three-quarter mark of the original Evil Dead. Ash's mind just snapped. Right. And I mean, who wouldn't be? Right. And they do the same thing in Evil Dead too. So just like, past half the so film. Like, ha- however, it is that Evil Dead ended, and Evil Dead Two began, and then you start crossing that three quarter line to where they start syncing up. That's where Ash's mind has been this whole time. He's just remembering crap, <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets kicked into the past, and it's just like. And then there's. I the, think he's just been insane since about three quarter mark of Evil Dead. And then there's the lack of continuity between two and three, which yeah. I, which it's it, my mind shifted over the years when it came to that that sequel because that's the first one I saw in a the theater. I saw Army of Darkness, I don't know, 20, 30 times that summer because you know the kid it's matinees awesome. were cheap. And it was the best way to get out of the heat. You go to the theater. And I watched and I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And then at some point I was watching. I was doing a marathon. I, fought, I finished Evil Dead 2. I pop an Army of Darkness and it starts. And I had that, that moment from misery. I had that, that fucking no. What are we clapping for? That's not how the movie ended. <laughs> he didn't have that. He didn't jump out of the fucking car. And that's what I had. So he goes back. He's like, wait, no, no. They worship him. At the end of Evil Dead 2, he kills the dead eye in the yeah. sky. He's the image in the book. They fall on their fucking knees. They don't, they don't handcuff him. They don't they handcuff him and drag him off and, and throw <laughs> him in a pit. I mean, it's all good fun, but I stopped and go, this, this isn't right. This breaks continuity again mm-hmm. for the third time. <laughs> it's just breaking continuity. And it I, it slowly, and it makes a lot of people, so this seems to be most... Maybe average horror fan. I don't know. I don't want to sound elitist in that way. But it seems that that's become like the favorite Evil Dead film. And for me, it's it's the bottom. I'll take the Evil Dead remake over Army of Darkness seven days a week. See, because I, I love, I love the remake. I, I am of the opinion that, uh, like, I like Army of Darkness. I like them all. But I like them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say... 
You know, Evil Dead Two is my favorite. Uh, Dead by Dawn. But I had watched I Evil. I had watched Evil Dead Two so much that I had forgotten about Evil Dead One. And when Scott and I started doing, we went ahead and do it, did a fresh eyes on Evil Dead One. And I like had to stop and like Google it to be like, wait, this is way too much like Evil Dead Two, but it's scarier. That's what they, like, they reshot. Like we could do, we could do this different. And so, like, I was like, wait a second, did I get some weird... Because, again, the, like, I had two copies of Army of Darkness with two different endings. Right. And so, like, the, the ending that I always remember was the one that he went too far. The post-apocalyptic yeah. and thing. And so, like, the one that everybody else remembers is the one that's in the store. Yeah. That's, the one, that's the one that was in the theaters, right? And, and um, so, like, like the first time, it's weird, it's his house doing a, doing a show, and he's, like, playing Army of Darkness, and I was like, is this special features? And he's like, no, this is the end of Army of Darkness. I'm like, no, this is he's supposed to be like Rip Van Winkle in the future. Like he drank too much shit and went forward. <laughs> like, and uh, I know this is this is how it ends. I'm like, okay, this movie's this whole series is just fucked up. I just gotta enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, and that's and that's <laughs> what you have to get. It's that it's that whole suspension thing. You have to push stuff aside and enjoy it. But if I if I were to rank them, you know, I. Evil Dead Two is for me like an amazing remake. Yeah, I very much enjoy. Who who did the the most modern was that was that <clears throat> Fede Alvarez, I think so. I think, and I I really enjoy. I love the nods to the original film uh, films. It it references Evil Dead. It references Evil Dead Two. It's got a lot of similar setups, and it's it's literally taking the Sam Raimi. You know, we're gonna get paid by the drop of blood. We're gonna drop buckets. They're going to get an 18-wheeler filled with this shit. And at one point, it even just rains from the sky. That movie is vicious. Just all the way. In a way that the original Evil Dead was less camp and more viciousness. The remake by, I think it was Alvarez, is just whole, it just digs into the, we're going to make this hurt. You're going to watch this and it's going to fucking hurt. Well, one thing I find about, <clears throat> one of the reasons I prefer uh, two, Evil Dead 2, the remake, is... Uh, if you watch it, it looks as though that was the movie where Raimi got his style. Right. That movie most defined Sam. If you look at that movie and you look at Drag Me to Hell. Those are the character you, movements. You can see yeah. how, how the camera angles, everything. That movie is where Sam Raimi got his, uh, his, his, oh, his yeah. signature. Yeah, yeah. He, de he developed more. The yeah, first that is where he came up with the uh, dancing Spider-Man. <laughs> Dancing yeah. Peter Parker, right? <laughs> it's those moves, man. It's those, it's those fucking moves. Yeah, and, and that that whole that whole argument really upsets a lot of fans. And okay, so even into remake, Bruce Campbell. Okay, so you also have remakes: <clears throat> Texas Chainsaw Massacre of uh, Friday the Thirteenth and. Halloween that mm -hmm. can be considered good remakes. See, well, when you look at the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. that's one thing that, mm. that I always point out is you got to realize when you re remake a movie of a character that doesn't talk, wears a mask, you can fit somebody of a similar size, have them make it their part, versus I've always said out of all the, the, the big killers, Freddy's the one that wins personality alone. If you try to replace what you're so used to seeing with personality, voice, tone, look, with somebody else, it'll never work. Well, and I think, too, because if you look at the, 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 the nightmare, yeah, you've got Freddy's Revenge on your shirt. So I'm like, the Freddy <laughs> franchise, the 
Nightmare Friday the, the, the Nightmare, Nightmare on, Elm on Elm Street franchise. Thank you. If you watch the first one, where he is quiet, and he's more menacing, and he's more in the shadows, and he's running his claws, and he's more of a nightmare monster than a personality. He really kind of comes out of his shell in part two, and then... I think it's part three is when they start the camp, because part two still had a lot of Yeah, part two was very violent, too. but yeah. it's, it's a lot more, it's still very violent, but he's he's starting with the, the kind of the inside jokes. Yeah, his personality starts It's like, it's like he kind of, like, the he catches the coach and, like, pulls the, that S&M right. dream out right, of him right, and, right. and, like, cracks jokes about it while he's doing it. He's sadistic and in a demonic sort of way, but he's not funny yet. But he's working on it. Yeah, part part three is part when the, three the is comedy where he kind of comes out of his shell. In, yeah. But in part one, you know, Freddy's still a very menacing and dark creature, and they could have remade it. But the problem I thought was it took itself quite too seriously. It, I think it, it turned did. it turned Freddy more into kind of almost like a a uh, pinhead almost or a. Or a uh, and had pretty good. Yeah, you called and I came. I'm evil. I'm gonna fuck you up. Um, you can't make me go away. Even though I have, I have a lot of issues with the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And what what I dislike the most is that it had a really great, really great actor in Jackie Earl Haley. He's awesome. He, he's they, great. It had some of the scenes <clears throat> were very well done independently. It had a lot of really good ideas. It had some very original ideas that I would have loved to have seen implemented in, in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, like the, the implementation of the micronap. How your brain, at some point, of due to lack of sleep, will begin to take naps on its own just to, just to survive. And at one point, the girl is crawling down the aisle of the grocery store, flashing in and out of the nightmare. And you see Freddy's claw like slashing through the goods. And when she's in the grocery store, you just see the cans exploding. Right. When it flashes to the nightmare, you see the claw. Great implementation. I love that idea. But there was there was way too many points. The way the movie starts, the cast, it was trying way too hard to be something more when it should have done more with the implementation. We didn't need to see all good-looking kids. They don't all. I understand Johnny Depp was in the first one, and Heather Langenkamp was still riding pretty high on her TV status. But we don't need to see all these well-polished, super good-looking kids suddenly depressed about a nightmare being. Right. You need to, at some point, establish it with a little more humility and ride the power of your, your cast when it comes to acting ability. And like Jackie Earl Haley in your script. A few tweaks that movie could have done very well. But I still don't think it would have been received. No, no, and that's the problem. That's the problem with the horror people. We did the same thing with Halloween 3. People well, shit on it for years. Yeah, but it's a great movie. It's a, it's an awesome. I love Tom Atkins. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to give Child's Play even recognition. Because Brad Dourif was going to be the voice. That and is, that's hard. That you instantly chucky. get biased. You're like, I'll be yeah. God damned if I'm going to watch something that doesn't you have know, Brad Dourif doing Chucky. Paul Taylor did a great job as Pinhead. But you get so used to seeing Doug Bradley play Pinhead and Doug Bradley's voice that anybody after him, it won't mess. The first thing I saw was was how like the the weight difference, how Doug Bradley is a bit more of a skinnier being, and Taylor's got a little more weight to him. The first time I saw the Pinhead's been hitting the ho hos a little much. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, that's definitely uh, that's one thing that hurts a remake is if you have an established character that has been around for oh, a yeah. long, long time. Yeah, that's that. It's and that. You try gross. to replace that. It it just. It's. I mean, and that's just people. I think that that goes into the nature of, of humans in general. You do the same thing with with your favorite food. Yeah. With relationships. I mean, you could have an infinitely better partner than you did when you were eighteen, but it took you a long time to yeah. stop comparing everyone to that partner well, from when you were 18. It's not as easy as replacing, uh, what's his name, Darren on Bewitched, where nobody even noticed They just blinked and like, wait. <laughs> the funny thing <laughs> was, like, I, when, as a kid, I always noticed, right? Like, I could, you know, WGN on cable TV, you see Bewitched, and, like, she's got a different <clears throat> husband episode to episode because they didn't play them in order. Yeah. And I read this thing, I was like, how is it possible, because Dick York and Dick Sargent, except for having the same first name, Sergeant's taller. Right. His complexion's lighter. He's got less hair. Like Darren, Darren's hair or Dick York's hair was like greasy, and, and Sergeant's was more kind of combed back and clean. Like, how could you possibly not know? And apparently, what happened was he had uh, York had back problems, so he didn't get fired. He could no longer act anymore. So they'd been looking for somebody, and. They played. They, they they did this really weird sort of skateboard tr- ollie trick. They replaced him in a couple of episodes towards the end of a season before a summer hiatus, and then when it came back, they were in color and they were shot differently, so people didn't notice because it wasn't like you could watch and compare episode right. to episode. It was like right. So if you saw him kind of appear here, you're like, wait, who's that? By the time it came back, he's always been there because you saw him in the last two episodes. Like, right. <laughs> right. Right. It was like, but they planned that out to make sure that people didn't notice that he was different. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's hard when it comes. But to you mentioned like Halloween, right? And I'm not with you on. The, no, no, I know. We talked um, about this. Halloween before. two, Zombies Halloween two, I thought was was better than Halloween one, but the best part of Halloween was whenever he just made a shot-for-shot remake of the original, right? All of the backstory on Michael Myers, to me, is kind of like remaking Jaws and then having a 30-minute scene showing the shark as a juvenile. Like fishermen taunting him or something like that. Yeah, getting pummeled by a killer whale and having brain damage and not being able to properly hunt until he starts figuring out how to eat people. And be like, all you need... Like, that was a whole hour of movie for Loomis's, like, I met him when he was young, and he was all crazy, and he had the shark size. And, and I can understand that. It's kind of like a, don't tell me how you make the cake, just give me the cake. Uh, all you needed in Jaws is you hear you hear two different perspectives. You hear Hooper's explanation about, like, how dangerous and, and big this thing is, and then you hear Quint's discussion on the Indianapolis speech about how they just roll over dark and right, it's, just right, a, right. it's just an eating machine you don't need more explanation than that and the fact of the matter is sharks like people sometimes go crazy you don't need a whole lot like i don't i did not like that where it's like oh well you know plus it never it never occurred to me to think that whenever michael myers was killing judith in the opening scene that that was redneck 
those <laughs> like su- super redneck stripper mom. Like that right. just seemed like Middle America, Chicago. Like it was Middle America, Illinois. Right, right. Like the, the original seventies, like Carpenter's original one. Yeah. When the parents come home, they're just regular ass mom and dad. Yeah. Right? This kid sitting out and front. That's what makes it so scary. Is he's just. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. It's that. That's yeah. Like I mean, it would have. It could have worked just as well having never known his name and just keep referring to him as the shape. I mean, it was that. It was that stalking evil and that I you that, had no rationale for. It was just if it came across you, you were going to die. And I thought that, you know, Zombie walked, reached out and was like, I really, <clears throat> really, really want to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not a remake of Texas. I want to be like, I, I probably told you the story before, but I saw Neil Gaiman live, do a live reading show. He said that when he was a kid, he wanted to have written Lord of the Rings. So he didn't want to have been um, Tolkien. He wanted to right. create some kind of space-time continuum to where he, he was the one who, was the one who had written it. Done. I'm the writer of Lord of the Rings. Rob Zombie wants to have been Toby Hooper. Yeah. yeah, like, I, I, I can see that. He wants to have oh, made can, the original Texas Chainsaw. You can see it all day in House of a Thousand and he, Corpses. And he turned, he I mean, turned he around and he it. turned Halloween into a poor man's Texas Chainsaw Massacre with knives instead of chainsaws. And I didn't, you know, like, whenever he went back to formula and Michael Myers is stabbing teenagers, then hell yeah. Like... <laughs> I'll tell you this. I I enjoyed Rob Zombie's Halloween. I liked, I liked part two well enough. I would rank it leaps and bounds above many of the sequels, especially yeah, when it came to the agreed. design of Very Michael much, Myers. Yes. Do the mask look good? The outfit look good? Dude, I just showing my wife as as like Jason's hockey masks have changed since he put on the first one in part three. I love all the designs. I think they're all great and they're all different. I cannot say the same for the Halloween movies. Dude, some of those sequels were just absolute trash can fires, just moist garbage <laughs> with these neon white masks and fluffy orange hair. hair yeah. Nope, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I read that. Like when they were making Return of the Jedi, like when they made Star Wars, they had to make models for all the ships. But by the time Return of the Jedi came out, they got to go down to the model shop and buy models of the ships that were made by model manufacturers. So they could just buy a Y wing, like buy right. a squad of Y wings, right, 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 put them together, and then put little firecrackers in them and blow them up, right. Like the same thing. It's like, oh, run down to the store and buy a Michael Myers mask. Dude, that's what it looked like <laughs> in some of those. And those are just, those are just trash, just trash. And then there are some remakes that I've found on the list, but I've never seen before. You guys may have seen some of these. Wicker Man is one with Nicolas Cage. Dude, I remember the original one. I never saw the remake. It's, if you have never seen it and you need to see Nicolas Cage, be full Nicolas Cage. The Wicker Man is just absolute stupidity in cinema. It's described as laughably bad. Oh, dude. He decks a chick wearing a bear costume, screaming about bees. It's legendary bad. The kid yelling in Troll 2, oh my god. It's that level of of camp. It's just And the thing is, The Wicker Man is such a classic. Oh, Christopher Lee. Slow burn. Yeah, Yeah, it is. There's so much about The Wicker Man. So much to take in. Well, when I first saw The Wicker Man, it wasn't too long ago. It was in the last couple of years. And I'd always heard it was great, but I just never... And I'm sitting there watching it being like, this is the weirdest freaking movie. Like, it's not scary. It's just bizarre. It's like Britt Eklund's just all naked and like going right. crazy in her, right. in her right. hotel room and stuff. And I just like watch that movie, and then it ends, and I'm like, oh shit. 
And it's like three days later. It's like I was meeting the shot. And three days later, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, there was, there was never in, like, it was a setup from the beginning. Yep. They lured him in like a Venus flytrap. And the whole thing was a whole bunch of certain preparing spells. Right. Like, there was no way out of this. The, From the beginning, there was never right. any way out. There's there's a somewhat similar premise for Nicolas Cage's remake, but at the end of the day, it just it didn't have the director, the cast, it didn't have the script. It's just, it's all the way, it's it's like watching, what is it, the, the, the haunting versus the haunting. Right. <laughs> with, with, what's her name? Oh, the, she married Michael Douglas. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, Zeta yeah. And Owen Wilson, it's the original is such such an an auteur film. It's all ambiance, and you literally don't see anything. It's just sounds in the dark, lots of close ups of fear and faces. But it's it's very much an atmospheric film. And the remake of The Haunting, I went to the theater because I liked the original movie. It's garbage. Yeah, it was bad. They just try way too much to implement too many things when the the whole point of the movie was the simplicity of the house. Yeah. The house is the bad thing. And it was it's that's up there with remakes that just shouldn't have, shouldn't well, have on, on that vein, Poltergeist. I I never saw the remake because I, uh, in my opinion, Poltergeist shouldn't have been remade. Yeah. That was one of the ones that I also have never watched it. I my my wife watched it and she she warned me. She said you can't just don't ever. I was I was not excited to hear about the remake with with I'm sure you guys the love for the original. It's a master yeah. stroke of cinema. But when I what got my hopes up just a little bit was when they cast Sam Rockwell in Craig T. Nelson's role, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, hmm, that's a bold play because I really enjoy Sam Rockwell. Very underrated actor, amazing actor, great character. For a second, for a half a second, not even a full second, I was like, I might, maybe, somewhat, in another universe, I might watch this. And then I saw the picture of the clown. Mm -hmm. and, and that just solidified it. I'm never going to watch this. <laughs> and I know it makes me a bit of a hypocrite. I just can't. I, I just can't force if myself. Want, if you want a good, like, nod to Poltergeist without... Have you seen Incredibles 2? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Whenever the baby keeps flipping through dimensions. Yeah. You've got Craig T. Nelson being like, hey, you... Come out of the light. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, comes out of the ceiling and like lands in his. Yeah, <laughs> like that that's, is so much a better remake of Poltergeist. It's so good. <laughs> and I just, I can't. I'm sorry, Poltergeist people, remake guys. You're never gonna get anything from me. Now this is one that I actually always thought it should, it could use. There's certain movies that I'll give you. I, I think they should be remade. You know, it may be time for a remake. The original, maybe you know, it was a good story, but. We could we could use it to be freshened up and everything, but Amityville again? Uh, no, no, no. They've remade it already, which I've never seen. They they've made it with you. They've been uh, a lot Amityville, of Amityville with uh, Ryan like Reynolds. Is the with Ryan Reynolds was actually pretty good. It is okay. And so is Psycho with. Uh, See, this is Psycho is on the list no, of, uh, of bad. We will disagree on that. Dude. It is that is a movie that not only should it's not it is certainly not Al Alfred Hitchcock. It's shot for shot. But it was and they used, interesting. It's it's the same movie with different people in the way that record and quarantine. <clears throat> where I think it was actually even shot in the same building. They, if you're gonna, you know, one, it's a hard film to touch. You know, like Psycho, because you got Hitchcock just directing the shit out of it, and you have, you know, uh, Norman Bates, and Anthony Perkins, 
just delivering in that movie so hard. Watching watching Vaughn do do Anthony Perkins' role reminded me of when they got that dipshit from Wings to do the Shining remake for USA. <laughs> it's like I'm never you're not gonna follow Jack Nicholson. I am really sorry. I'm going to play bias all day long. You're not going to be able to. Do and while that is true, I, you know, I did enjoy the Shining remake. Hello. Um, I did enjoy the Shining remake because it was a little closer to the book. Oh, the ending and stuff. Significantly closer to the sure. book. Um, which I'm, am now and have always been a more of a closer, you know, like the closer to the book, the better. Even if it's made for the TV versus Hollywood. Like the it, I still think the it miniseries is better than the it, the remake movies. I I don't but know. But the, the thing with Psycho was I had seen Psycho. I liked Psycho, and I liked you know. But <clears throat> Gus Van Zant took it on as a project to see if he could remake the movie shot for shot. And while it was not again, it was not Alfred Hitchcock. It was still it was still creepy, and it was still Psycho. It was weird. So I enjoyed it for that, you know, like, again, I wasn't writing a, a college treatise on it or anything. I just remember seeing it, you know, my dad was like, right. like, hey, it's actually pretty good. I watched it, I'm like, hey, you're actually kind of right. And then I left it at that, and that was probably 15 years ago. I think, but- <laughs> I think one of the things that, for me, really made it fail was, was they did their best, I think, to make Vince Vaughn's character look a little crazier. They kind of gave him a little more of the sallow look in the eyes and stuff. And Anthony Perkins... At no point do you find him imposing. Mm-hmm. He looks like some good-natured kid. Yeah. You know, maybe 22 years <clears throat> old, running the family business. Right. Innocent. Fairly naive. Yeah. You're not worried about that guy at all. And he comes in, and when he hits, he hits hard. And I think that's what made it that much more effective. They didn't try to make him look like he was out of his <clears throat> mind. He could just portray it with, the, with his visual style that much more efficiently. You know, a couple of other remakes that, in my opinion, did pretty well that I enjoyed. One being uh, Hills Have Eyes. Definitely a different film. It's a different film. It was freshened up, and they did a good job freshening it up. It's it's a lot funnier. I'll tell you that. I laughed a lot (laughs) at the remake of Hills Have Eyes. Just so many little things. But what I loved about it is, you know, the original Hills Have Eyes, pretty much unknown cast. Right. The remake also... It was relatively unknown actors right. that were in that one too, and they did a great job. The casting was great. The uh, the, the 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 photographers, the scene where they're in the Winnebago, the dad has already been captured, and all of a sudden when they set him on fire, the guy gets on yeah, the yeah, window, yeah, yeah. and the way the camera just zooms Levine, and back, yeah. it is just it, it, it it's a great film in my opinion. They eat the fucking parakeet in that. Yeah, one. he squeezes the blood. He kills the dude. parakeet. The fucking parakeet's gonna die. But that's one that that's one that sticks pretty well to the original script, considering. Right. And right. it's still it's effective. It does well. It's you know the, the the characters because they were you weren't too endeared to the original actors as opposed to the characters. Replacing them did a good job. It right, right, right. I like I like the going a little more mutant redneck thing than just crazy yeah. hillbillies who happen to be in and around Arizona for some <laughs> weird-ass reason. But, but that's a good one. And also The Crazies. Have you ever seen the remake yes. of The Crazies? Yeah, I've seen both. The, the remake's a good one. That was a good... Some movies can be freshened up and... Right. It, they can make for a good remake. That was, that was a very early Romero film. Yeah, And that's, that's, that's one of those that not a lot... Unless you were really... 
big into digging into horror, not a lot of people sat down for the crazies. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, didn't even know it was a remake. And yeah. you know, it's one of those movies that unless you did like two thousand one Maniacs, you know, if you didn't watch really old obscure crap, you didn't know that they were remaking these movies. Right. It, it operated well. I mean, it had a very simple premise. It it kind of went for the throat in a lot of angles, and yeah. and I enjoyed it. I thought the crazy I mean, was, was, was pretty good. Have you ever seen the, the remake? Okay. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is another remake. Dan. Dawn of the Dead's one of my favorite horror movies. The remake. I thought was... I thought they did a great job. Dude, yeah. that opening sequence Dude, with the, the car is... the, from from the get go, the, the little girl in the room the getting Johnny out Cash, into the, the yeah. Johnny Cash title opening Dude, where they the just, title sequence they just show, show like how the world starts to fall apart and it's just like the the, the man comes around man, like Johnny man Cash. Man comes around is such a great song. But just so you know, that is on their list of the worst horror movie remakes. That's I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I agree. This it was, saying, some of this research that movie, it was that, fun. That was one of those through. movies that kept me awake at night because just like not even the zombies as much as the feeling of being trapped because the longer they were there and the bigger the horde got around the mall. Now they've got the food courts. They've got all the different like they've got supplies for a long time. They didn't have to leave, but eventually. You're gonna to have to figure out. You have to do something. How to do something, and the longer you stay, the bigger that ocean of right, right, menace right, right. gets. And I remember after watching that movie the first time, it was first of all, it was the first movie in a shit long time that made that actually gave me nightmares. Like I woke up, cold sweat, being like, with that movie on my mind, being like, shit. But I also remember like for for a long time afterwards, I'd go to bed and lay there and just think of like how to get out of that. Right. How can we like? Okay, let's let's put aside the idiot with the chainsaw. Let's let's forget about the guy in the gun store. Like, let's just 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 you and me. How the hell are we gonna get out of this? Like, are we gonna make a tank out of the bus? What's gonna keep the bus from rocking? Do we put stabilizers? No, like, how do we build this thing? And I just sit there and turn it over and over and over in my head, and I'm like, okay, that is one hell of an effective movie if I'm thinking about it in technical terms. Oh yeah, this much later. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, also, also I loved it. The zombie genre falling, especially into the whole post-apocalyptic thing. It's one of those things that everybody everybody has a plan. I mean, you don't have to have that in-depth of a thing with Friday the 13th. I get on the road, I walk my ass away from the camp until I get somewhere, and then I get in a vehicle, and I go even further, and I just keep on trucking. <laughs> the, the plans are very simple, but the post-apocalyptic thing, especially with zombies, it allows us to imagine ourselves as, as the clever hero. Right. I would find a way out of that room. Yeah. They did the dumb I would thing. Do this I would do this. Yes. And it just makes it that much more fun. And I love that about Dawn of the Dead, that it took the... the Somewhat, even only a small premise of the original. Because the original is very expansive. I mean, if you, you know, the beginning starts with the raid on the building for the Puerto Rican drug dealer mm -hmm. and goes into the whole slaughtering of the innocent people in the building, the basement filled with bound zombies and shit. Dude, then the mall in the original is. Where do you get like a Home Depot inside of the mall? <laughs> you know, they had grocery stores and shit in there. That was cheating. But they take a very small portion of it, and it's, it's I think, a good remake that in that it, it takes that one thing, the basic premise, and says, we're going to do something with this. We're going to have fun with it. I'm not going to you know disrespect the original, but I'm going to put my own love into it. And I think that's what made it really effective. Right. Now, another remake that missed totally, which I've tried watching, but I just can't get into it, is Carrie. You can't. I watched it. <clears throat> you can't take away from the original Carrie what it is, and, and the fact that it has William Cat. In my opinion, you don't want films about William Cat. You don't remake a William Cat movie. <laughs> I, my my thoughts going into Carrie is is another thing with the casting. 
you know, in, in that, you know, Vince Vaughn and Anthony Perkins were two completely different looks and acting styles. Putting Chloe Grace Moretz in a role where she has to play this Carrie White. And she is opposite Sissy Spacek. Yeah. Who brings that humility, that simple, tortured soul into the world. Sissy Spacek, to me, and in in other movies too, but Sissy Spacek always kind of very, and I don't know why, maybe it's just this kind of almost look, but always kind of made me think of like Loretta Lynn. Like coal miner's daughter very innocent sure very vulnerable very kind of fragile yeah and and that's and that sells that character and that was i mean that's again a a character like carrie who is so fragile but so powerful at the same time it's not going to take much to to push her over the edge and then once it happens but she's been getting pushed on yeah her whole life oh yeah it's stacking up on her dude and when, once she snaps, you believe it. Yeah, you believe when Sissy Spacek well, she when she she didn't need to do much. No, she just didn't, open she didn't her walk around book, doing right. like 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 Professor X type stuff. Right, she's just walking around open handed and wide eyed, and she's yeah. just blowing up all yeah. around her, standing up straight. Yeah. and that's that's the the way it was shot. It's just beautiful. Her character walks around, just head down, slumped shouldered, looks like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Spacek sells that. Yeah. So hard that whenever the bucket falls and it hits, it hits Cat, and she she sees it, she sees the people, she hears her mom. You see that the shoulders come back, and that that power wells up. And she's with simple simple movement, eyes open wide. Now I see what I am. Now I know what I have to do. Everybody dies, and she just digs in. It's incredible. You believe it. And I just I had a hard time buying Chloe yeah. selling that that care. She did she did well for what she had to work with, but she was playing counterpoint to a really strong role. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard to not be instantly judged next to that when it's something that, that was that big and that important. Right. Another one that I actually enjoyed the remake of and I a couple of weeks ago I went ahead and watched the original again because I saw it popped up on Prime or something. Uh, it was Last House on the Left. I I don't know where I fall on both of those because, I mean, the the original was like Wes Craven's first. Yeah. It's his first movie. And he shot that in almost a documentary style. Yeah, it, it was. It was very grimy. Very gritty. Nobody there knew how to act. <clears throat> so everything, and I think that really made it, it made it that much more effective that they looked like they were fumbling with evil. Yeah. And it, it struck you as that's what people would do. They don't know how to perfectly tie you down and perfectly assault you. It was very spur of the moment. And, and now we're going to be that. It reminded me of the movie Kids that came out in the 90s. It was right. shot in very much a similar way. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but the remake still, I think it holds up pretty well. I think my, my only issue I had with the remake is if you watch the trailer, they literally show you the end of the movie in the trailer. Yeah. And I really wish they would cut back. That's been a thing that's happened since forever. We're going to show you the best parts of the trailer. Yeah, you know, they showed like the, the microwave door was removed and putting his head in the microwave and everything. It's like, you've already seen the end of the movie. I really wish they wouldn't do that. If I hadn't seen that, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But I think all in all, it's, it's a pretty good remake. Okay. All right. So let's go into a list. We'll just do a couple of lists to wrap up the show. Okay. So tell you, uh, I can talk about this for hours. All right. I know. Start. I know. We can keep going. <laughs> Well, this might end up causing some discussions also. The first list we're going to go through is 13 horror movies that should never be remade. Okay. 
I'm right. sure you'll agree with that. All right, let's, let's see what we got here. Of course, first up on the list, The Exorcist. I agree. Yes. I agree. I, I agree. Fred freaking fucking nailed it. People have tried. All have failed. Right. And this is one that I agree with this being on this list totally, and I always have a fear that somebody's going to try it is Jaws. They're going to try it eventually. They've done loose little things yeah. here and there. They've tried it. They're going to they're try it, and they're going to fail. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to a podcast on Jaws that was talking about the character of the film is derived from all of the problems that they had in in getting the shark to work. Yeah. Right. And so what what they did was they had to complete they had they had to collect footage. They had to be filming stuff. Right. And so they filmed a lot of stuff that they probably wouldn't have otherwise had the shark been working. But by but by doing so and by having conversations about the the white you know the kids breaking the picket fence and you know what it who who is an islander and, right, right, and right, who's right, right, not right. and you know like that it gave Amity a very lived in right it made, it, it made it a character so it, yeah it, it made the, the the characters real it made the the town real the thing about Jaws is not the shark. I mean, the sh- yes, it's the shark, but it's the the, the human reaction to the anomaly that's, right. that's out there. Right. Because right. sharks exist in real life. Sharks exist in fictional world. Like they all know what a shark is. They're just in disagreement about how bad the menace really could be and what to do about it. Given their whole like Fourth of July and the island. Economics is dependent on their beach. Right, 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 it might be dangerous, but none of that really works if you don't care about the characters. And because they were able to kind of dig in a little deeper and get you more invested in some of these second and sure. third tier characters, then you really do care about Alex Kintner's mother, like in the in the context of a right. small town tragedy. Tragedy. You know of of Chrissy's of Chrissy Watkins. You know she's just a she's just a, a high school or a college girl. We don't know, but she's she's one she's an Islander. She's there. You know, like and it makes it makes it all. You know, Quint's been there forever. Hooper's an outsider, and he's looking at all these people like you're crazy, right? Because of their gala or not their gala, but their uh, flotillas and stuff. So the the spirit of Jaws is the thing they could never remake. Right. Yeah. Having having to shoot it the way they or had to having to edit it. And do what they did with what they had that was working only helped enhance that that terror because you could see it in the town itself, like you were talking about. Like so many people pop up and they represent different different stages of grief. It'd be the same as putting on Halloween and turning the lights on right. in every room in every house where Michael Myers couldn't hide. It would you would lose it. Yes, he'd still be killing people in the exact same way, but if you saw him everywhere all the time, at what point you're like, oh, okay, look, there's Michael Myers again, right? So yeah, it's that it's it's just that that's it's very morose jaws. There's there's moments of levity, but then they're quickly torn out from underneath. Like when they're singing in the boat and they're they're all friends again and it goes into the tattoos. And then he just drops the And then and then the Indianapolis yeah. story hits. So there's the moments of levity are very short, very sweet, very endearing. But then it reminds you quickly that this is a very serious situation, right. and you're you're not going to have a good time with it. 
So, and I believe that if they filmed it now, it'd be kind of like a Jurassic Park. Again, where it's... It'd I mean, be, yeah, not the original Jurassic Park, like the Jurassic Worlds, where like now, like you say, all the lights are on. It'd every, be Meg, is what it would yeah, be. Everybody's yeah, just du- everybody's just shark happy. Right. And so, you know... The sheriff would be, you know... Some, some Hemsworth. Some good looking dude. Some good looking guy. Some good, there'd be a lot of guns. Yeah, yeah. It would it would be drab. It'd so I, I, be passe. And, and, yeah, it would not it would not do service to the Next Next on the list, 1979's Alien. Perfect film. Can't exactly. It's a film it. these films hold up so well to this day. There is zero reason to remake it. It's make, another movie that's very akin to Jaws. Makes sequels and, and all the Halloween. There it's similar. It's that it's that silent, dark dread in the vacuum of space that's claustrophobic, you can't escape it. And these these weren't like a good looking cast. I mean, they yeah. were bigger names. Some of these names were pretty big. Like Scarrett was a big name at the time. But, but back then, you didn't have to be good looking to sell a movie. You you movie. you that, had to right. And there was a lot of there's just a, too much of that movie involves involves around the fear of of unknown. Right. And nowadays, they would want to blow everything up. You could see it when they did like Prometheus <clears throat> and everything. Mm-hmm. You turn the lights on, and you you have to your disbelief goes out the window. Right? Well, too. And say they don't have to be good looking. Um, Sigourney Weaver is one of the hottest oh, people yes, she in is, film dude. that's ever been in. But, she wasn't good looking in those movies. But, like in Alien, no, that but, fucking hair. But no, they, like she she toned herself down or like the makeup. Right, made. right. Like they they got star power, but then they turned her into a, a, real, just a regular person. They they used her her actual talent. I mean that movie was loaded with acting. You compare talent. that to Ghostbusters, and you're just like. Yeah, yeah. Cause, like that's not her. Because Dana's so hot. That's know? not her. <laughs> but so is Ripley later. <laughs> yeah, no, Alien. Alien's another movie. Make make a many other Alien movies. If you name it Alien, they're literally just trying to cash in on the brand. That's it. Screw those guys. Mm-hmm. Just making a movie about an alien. Okay. Next up, Silence of the Lambs. Agree. You can't do it. You no. can't do Dude, it. Dude, Hopkins. <laughs> to follow the trifecta of Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins and Ted Levine. Would be just the absolute biggest crap on cinema. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. You, you bet against it. You'd have to bring in people like the likes that would never do a movie like that. But think about the fact that in in Hannibal, where they took Jodie Foster out and replaced her with Julianne Moore, that bothered me so much. And she's a good actress, but you're not Jodie Foster, Mm -hmm. right? Who's a beast? Well, love her work. The thing is, I think sometimes with original casting too. So we were talking, you know, with with Anthony Perkins. You can't, or or Roy Scheider. What like there's certain characters that like you can't yeah. put a Hemsworth in. Like Jodie Foster, your your biggest mistake in ever wanting to make a remake is putting Joseph Jodie Foster as a character because she's just one of a kind. You, yeah, and she's going to be a hard act to follow. Sissy yeah. Spacek, Dude. like you you, yeah. you make a one and done movie because that actor is is. Is it's the it's the Daffy Duck blowing himself up and being like, well, now I'm in heaven. What can I do? Right. Like it's, I can't follow that act. It's a know? difficult. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I understand. Like it takes an, an, a tremendous amount of narcissism to to be like a leading person, to be an actor that's like I can take control of this movie. I can be front and center and do the job that really inspires people. At some point, humility again has to come into the equation and think, I'm not going to do this right. Mm-hmm. I can't follow Robert De Niro in that role. Right. I can't follow Jodie Foster in this part because people are going to look at it and they're going to shit on me. I don't <laughs> care how many Oscars I've been nominated for. You want me to play up Meryl Streep? 
Right. You want me to do Daniel Day Lewis or Gary Oldman? It's, like, it's not going to happen, bro. Sorry, <laughs> I don't need Buddy that bad. <laughs> it's interesting. The 30th anniversary of Sounds of Liam is coming up here pretty soon, uh, and this next movie, the 40th anniversary of, is this year. And this is a movie that I can honestly see them wanting to remake this movie, and I would fight it tooth and nail if they were to try. But an American werewolf in London. Do not touch it. If Just you, like Jaws, there uh, are too many intangibles that make that movie what it is. Just make a werewolf movie, dude. That, that, yes. Go make a werewolf <laughs> there, there's, movie. There's too, many, there's too many things that are not quantifiable that make... I think, I think the, the thing about American Werewolf... Rick Baker it, fucking hurt that movie. Dude, dude, there's so much... It's like, it's like a magic trick. It's all the stuff you're not seeing... And it's all the, the strange little punches that uh, they pulled with the humor in it. Oh, yeah. Like we were talking about levity. It's like every single joke brings you up for the express purpose yeah, of just about dropping the podcast. so it's hard. So oh, the, dude, all day. John Landis, I was I'm watching the history of horror on Shudder, and they just talked about American Werewolf in <clears> London. <throat> and he said, you know, his whole point was to make, you know, a horror comedy. He wanted to just throw this comedy in. And when he was talking to Rick Baker, and he, he says, well, I want to do the werewolf transformation. He goes, well, what do you want to see? And he says, I want it to hurt. Mm-hmm. I want it to look painful. I don't want this to be some quick little thing. I need it to You look. wanted to see the whole yeah, thing. I want to hear the bones break. I want to see the skin stretch. I want it to and look. the lights have to be on the Yes, whole no, time. I want to see it. And that's, that's what he wanted to make it real. As real as, as you could for a werewolf. So we're going to take out all of the... The, the romance in the transformation and we're going to make it into an experience you would never want to have in a million years. And just so you guys know, Landis's son has floated the idea of remaking this movie. I've heard about that. They actually, that came up like last year, two years ago or something. That he was he was so writing nice. a script or something, yeah. a, a treatment for a possible remake of American World in London. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's another one of those. It's just pure gold. I mean, it can't... Again, make another movie. Just make a scary. Just movie. make it make a werewolf movie, dude. Remake the Howling. I'll throw that on the list. Remake the crap out of it. I don't mind a remake of the Howling. I like the Howling. I'll take a remake. So me and my daughter were talking the other day. She's all into anime right now and stuff, and she uh, she'll watch these animes and read these mangas where all of a sudden a character that she has endeared herself to, you know, all this time has died, and she literally cries, you know, because she gets so involved into the story and everything. I said, I got a movie I want you to watch. So I made her sit down with me one day. She's been homeschooling right now. So I made her sit down with me and we watched Misery. <laughs> and she was just blown away by that. She was like, that movie hit so close to home because I can see that happening. I can see somebody getting... The way I feel about this character, I can see somebody that's mentally unstable getting to that point. That's another one that's pretty much a... You can't touch yeah, you can't movie. touch that. No, no, no. That's another. You're following him. Not not just Khan, who's who's amazing, but following Kathy Bates in mm-hmm. that role would be futile. Yeah, like you said, there's just certain there's certain because Kathy Bates got her. Mm-hmm. He got her. She got her so because I, I remember it was it was may have been Kathy Bates herself. Um, they're like talking about she's talking about the role and she's talking about the the character of Annie and she's like well you have to understand she's like that she's so crazy like she doesn't realize she's crazy but she's so crazy that she can't cuss but she can kill yeah right 
like saying a bad word, like just really, really bothers her. But she can kill. She, without, she can, she can kill, kill somebody. She can and kill it's okay. children. Yeah, yeah. Without, but she can't curse. Yeah, and, and she's like, so how do you get into that mindset? And like, because I, I read the book, I'm like, dude, it, like. I'm sure that's one of those little devices King just kind of snuck in there, but the fact that she was so prim and proper and she had all of her little action mm-hmm. figures, like her little figurines, mm-hmm. and like... like So she, much order in her life, but yeah. chaos was right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Kathy Bates... I don't. I mean, I've, I love Kathy Bates, but I don't think she's ever nailed a character right. as thoroughly as that one. And Wilkes, yeah. Oh, this is a movie I've actually never seen. So you guys might be able to shed some light on this one, but Shaun of the Dead. Can't touch that one either. No, it's it's too original in in its love for all things zombie. It's it pays it pays homage to everything George Romero. And it's, it's and it's stupid. Yeah. And it's it, it's like it's like saying that you're gonna try to remake Spaceballs or, or Tucker like, and but, Dale. But but I'm Spaceballs like is right. this, well Tucker and Dale is its own separate story. Shaun of the Dead is a send-up, kind of almost like a, a, a National Lampoon's sort of send-up on the You've genre. You've never seen Shaun of the Dead? I've never seen Shaun of the Dead. It's awesome. It's, it's one good, that dude. I haven't seen. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's a fun but, movie. But like I said, uh, it's not exactly the same, but it's like trying to say you're going to remake Spaceballs. It's like, well, the, the thing about Spaceballs is that all of the things that it was lampooning were current to it as well. Right. And it... By itself, even being a a Mel Brooks like genre torpedoing comedy was a was a very well made action movie. Oh yeah. Like you care about the characters, you care about the story. It's not like scary movie where it's just like Wayans brothers like farting for no reason. It's like not, you know in Shaun of the Dead, it's like we're gonna send up all zombie movies and throw it up here as something to be made fun of. Right. Inside of a horror, inside of an actually legitimately scary horror oh, movie, yeah. that's also funny. Right. And then you care about the characters and the story. Like that's not. There's too many. It hits way too many points. It'd be yeah. far too difficult to do. Right. No one would accept it. <clears throat> there's another one that I haven't seen before. Okay. Which, just so you know, I'm going to be doing a thing in February where I'm doing 28 days, 28 movies, where I'm going to watch all these movies on my to-watch list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, 28 hours to watch. So. fucking things to watch. Uh, the Babadook. The Babadook. I love The Babadook. <laughs> I love it so hard. They can I, remake it by making a completely different movie that has nothing to do with that dumbass movie. I think, <laughs> dude, I think the Babadook is a really good examination of of the absolute travesty, along with many other movies, many other horror films, that don't get the recognition they deserve in the the hierarchy of film. Like a lot of horror films get passed over for any sort of awards. Very few win Oscars, right? And a lot of them should, especially when you get into things like makeup and effects. Yeah. Some of these movies, how are these people not winning for makeup when they lose to the lady who did the, the makeup for Grease, but this guy made, made werewolves look absolutely real and terrifying? How is he not winning that Oscar? The lady, I forget her name, the lead from The Babadook, she really sells that... Jennifer Kent. Yes. No, no, no. no that's a director. I'm sorry. She, she sells that, that descent into, into absolute disparity. Nobody dies in this movie. It's not even a, it's not even a hidden thing. There's only I think there's like two drops of blood in the whole thing. What I loved about the Babadook 
is that unlike most horror films, even today, especially back in the day, it doesn't patronize its audience. It's, it's a ghost story, basically. But what it doesn't do, every other ghost movie, a ghost appears, whatever, does its thing, and the first thing people do is like, what does it want? What is its name? How do I help it? At no point is that happening in this movie. This lady, the only thing she wants is to live. Her and her kid. That's all she wants. She tries going to the police. She tries getting away. But at no point is it, let me see how sympathetic it is. Or what does it really need out of life? She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> she just wants to go. And the first thing it appears in is the book, The Babadook. First thing she does is light it on fire. <laughs> because she doesn't care why it's there. She wants it to go away. Except for she's the one that wrote it. Right. <laughs> and that's the problem that I have. Is but we can't give it all away. We can't give it away. But well, I did, actually. I'm scared that there's a blog that's like, dude, I don't give a shit. This movie sucks. <laughs> but, and, some, uh, and some people don't but, like it. But the thing about it was, it's like the, pro the problem that I had with the, way, the reason that it sucks, and this, <laughs> this you'll know in the first three minutes of the movie. You've got this single mother who's a widow, right? And she's got this little boy who's, he's different. They never really explain, but he just screams all the time. He sucks. She sucks because he screams and she doesn't tell him to be quiet. Now, maybe she's told him to be quiet enough it times that she doesn't care. But now her own friends and family are like, you know what? You and your screaming ass kid need to get the fuck out of my property and leave us alone. So she's sitting in her house with her screaming ass kid. Look, and, and they both, when he's not screaming, being annoying, they're both staring at the wall looking haggard. And as the movie continues, they're both just like, holy shit, the movie sucks. Then this book appears. It's like, I'm the Babadook and I'm going to kill your your kid. And she's like, oh, well, that can't happen because I'm a single mom and I need. But then you find, she's a freaking children's book writer. So she's the one that's making the damn book. See, I want to say something, but I can't because like, it gives away the ending, but it explains that. And I'm just like, like. Like I'm sitting there reading these, I'm sitting there just like Jesus. This is the worst movie I've ever fucking watched. Once, like, once there you... is no subtext. Well, it's not like she had a well-behaved child and she's swirling the drain of craziness and trying to catch herself trying to kill the kid and being like, "Oh my god, I, I better lock myself in the basement." No, she's like, "I'm drawing the nasty book. I'm burning the nasty book." And you're like, "Fucking will this movie be <laughs> over?" I can't. Once you watch it. <laughs> Once you watch I'll, it, I'll let you know. I'll and then let you and then we can talk because I want to talk because the ending wraps up all of it like in a we'll neat little bow. We'll right. okay. <laughs> Next up, this movie I'm not that endeared to. Honestly, I don't know why it's on this list, but The Descent, 2006. Uh, <laughs> don't a, touch it. It's a good movie, dude. That Enjoy. movie, it's a good claustrophobic film. Oh, it is very. It 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 hits really hard when it needs to. It's it exposes so many things, and I love the the complete nihilistic ending of it. Mm -hmm. I love that there's no happy ending. Yeah, and the point of, the good. point of the whole <laughs> yeah. story is is happiness is just completely ripped from this woman. Like every twenty minutes, she has something new taken from her. Mm -hmm. And in the end, she is so much taken that she's all of a human being, that she's succumbed to all of it, and now she's just going to live in this fucking hole while the fucking creatures are coming at her, and she's going to let it happen. Right. Now, this next movie, when I say the name of it, you guys will realize that this list definitely came from a horror movie website. Okay. Near Dark. 
Just make a vampire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is, I can totally see them trying. Because oh, yeah. This movie is, of course. Because this movie isn't mainstream at all. I there are tons of people that have no idea this movie I can see them casting good-looking people and nice leather jackets. Sexy and, 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 and putting it in, like, New Orleans or something. Oh, yeah, no, I see it. And I, I don't want it. You, it's, it's such a good, hard-hitting film. It's grimy. Yeah. I was talking to my, my, my wife about vampire movies. Like, I like my vampires dirty and ugly Me. and vicious. Yeah. Because in the original Dracula... He was stinky. Yeah. He had fetid breath. He smelled, he smelled of the grave. Yeah. He was not a good-looking, happy... Wasn't Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Now, I'll give... I'll he give, could throw on glamours, though. Yeah, it was magical. Right, like Gary Oldman did in, in their, their Dracula. Well, even in the book, he right. goes on glamours, but they don't last very long. Right, it's it's something, it's fleeting. But at the end of the day, I want my vampires like Near Dark. The only down thing, downside I had to Near Dark, and I've learned to love it a little bit more, is the whole blood transfusion curing vampires yeah. yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that that's, part, that's, yeah. A little, that's a little stupid. And how sometimes they're in the sunlight and they don't light on fire. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This it's movie's fun movie. enough that I thing, will give them those little beats. The, the only thing that, it, like, with Near Dark, that I don't like the cure idea. Like, right. It's a little, it's it's a little like, wait, what the fuck did you just cause, say? Because traditional vampires, it's like, okay, you know, I bite you, you're going to waste away and die, and then if you drink blood, then you can become a vampire, otherwise you're kind of a revenant. With Near Dark, it's like, oh, we got the transfusion. But she tells him in the very beginning... Like, once he realizes what she is, like, oh, I've just been killing people by the, you know, every night right. for decades. Right. So even even if that transfusion works, right, like, they're they're no longer vamped out. And, dude, she is a humongous mass murderer. Oh, like, yeah. She is not girlfriend material at oh, all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you had Bill and Lance just hamming it up. It's, dude, that movie's just, it's too much fun. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fun, this next one, dude, this movie, this is a movie that I slept on once again. Took me a few years to get to and finally watch it with Cabin in the Woods. It's, oh, I love it. It's such a fun movie. I, yeah. I don't know how you'd remake it because uh, the reveal. Is the movie? I would love a prequel. That's the only thing I would. Yeah. I would. I, I would love take, to see a prequel. Is if they do the one where they failed, where they talk about how Chem Lab fucked it up a few years ago. I would watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Woods was good, but that was the thing is because of the way the nature of the story, the reveal, you can't put that genie back in. No, no. It would. They would end up having to change it far too much. And at that point, just make your own self-aware horror movie mm-hmm. and. Stop trying to capitalize on on the uh, the name, the brand recognition. Right. Okay, moving on to the next list to go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, and we'll see if you guys might have something to add to this. But horror movies that could use a remake. That could effectively be okay. remade. Okay. okay. You might agree with some of these, you might not. Very first one, even though I am so endeared to this movie, I can ab- absolutely see Bloomhouse getting a hold of it and making it, freshening it up and making it really good. Because this was a low-budget 80s movie. Basket case. I could sure. actually see that being. I could see that one being. And, and get, a, get a good creature feature without having to have all the claymation. The claymation drove me so nuts. Just <laughs> stop motion everywhere. This next one on the list, I can promise you, you guys are not going to agree with because I don't fucking agree with it at all. But Return of the Living Dead. No. No. I think that it's that it's 
It would be possible, but I think what they would have to bring is you'd have to find someone like like Dan O'Bannon who brought just an absolute punk, rule-breaking atmosphere to cinema. He destroyed so many tropes and rewrote the genre in ways that people don't even fully understand. Great soundtrack. It's just all the way through. It's fun beyond belief. And, and it's vicious. And it's effective. It's like you don't, so It's vicious. not like Basket Kiss where you could be like, hey, like, let's update Claymation to some CGI and make a yeah. remake of The Blob that's effective. Return of the Living Dead is just it's, and good. It's, I, think, I think one of the things that would make it too difficult to do in any kind of decent ways, they'd have to tone it down. Because that movie, it, it just it shreds limits. Yeah, there's a lot of violence in that movie that you couldn't put, you couldn't PG thirteen that. Mm-mm. And if you want to make money, like these guys want to make money, they they have to make it accessible to mass audience to bring back that kind of capital. And it's so incredibly violent. It's not even the gore. There's some gore, and there's some really good gore, but it's the viciousness, like the sawing of the neck. And with the zombie, yeah. you hear the gurgling <laughs> as the as the fucking saws going through his neck. You hear the screaming turn into a gurgle. <clears throat> like that's one scene. Like when trash gets eaten by zombies, or when when the tar man bites suicide's skull yeah. like an apple, just crunch, and you see that bite. You couldn't do that now. It's that movie's mean. I watched it the year after it came out. I was like seven years old. I shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> I saw it on like HBO or something. I shouldn't have watched it. Because that movie was that movie was too far. Yeah. For for where I was, you can watch Friday the Thirteenth all day long as a kid. Nightmare on Elm Street may mess with you a little bit. I watched you know Sleepaway Camp, all that stuff. None of that stuff ever stuck as hard as Return of the, as Return of the Living Dead. And you would have to have somebody who would not only be able to bring that viciousness, but be able to break the rules of cinema. Now, this next one we actually talked about on the forum the other day, and I think I need to revisit this movie because I haven't watched it in a really, really long time. But like I said on the forum, there are certain scenes from this movie that just are burned into my brain, but Scanners. You know, Scanners is, Scanners is a fun movie. It's, <clears throat> it could, I could see it being done. It has a really good cast. You know, Ironside's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, Michael Ironside, I'd love to meet that guy. But there's enough to that movie where it's not, it's not like Videodrome or something where you have to completely go off the rails and have some crazy monsters mm-hmm. or unique looks. Scanners, I think, is something that you could do nowadays. Kind of like a like a they live scenario. Yeah, if under the right circumstances. I actually saw that movie on another list as mm-hmm. one that should be remade. They so you they know. you could. It's if you did it right, that could be a very acceptable film. Now yeah. you're gonna find a lot of hard pushback from fans. Right. But if you did it correctly and you cast it, it right and you, you treated it with, with the respect it deserved, that's something that could be... I think it could be done well. Now, the next one is one that I agree with also. it Because uh, even the man himself does not think that it was done right the first time, Clive Barker, but Nightbreed. But I think Nightbreed is one of those movies, like I think you and I had talked about this, you can't really do it with a single standalone movie. Right. It kind of needs to be just like Haunting of Hill House. It would need to be a, a series. series. Just... I guess it would depend on how they wanted to approach Nightbreed. If they wanted to stick with what was the the original butchered version of the film that appeared in theaters that was semi-horror but half special effects demo reel. Yeah. Or the super extended, more original Barker's version, which turned it into more of a fantasy film than a horror movie. Right. Because it very much is the long version... Dude, that's like 45 minutes to an hour. 
and it's it's more love story. There's a lot more sympathy for for the Midians. Yeah, it's... honestly, I think a recasting would help that movie a lot. Too. Sure, sure. The Doctor Decker, the the guy that played Doctor Decker, Cronenberg. He didn't do. That's not what I envisioned Doctor Decker being like. You know, right, just, right, 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 you know, right. I think right. a recasting would help that. Cronenberg's a, he's a great director. Yeah. I've I don't know, he's not much of an actor. Right. He's got a, he's got a good look. The guy looks like he should be a horror movie villain all day <laughs> long. But he has and I don't know if it was the script has a very very monotone way of approaching how he talks to people. The next up on this list I find interesting that it's on here because we've talked about this before. The fact that Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four is the most successful film of that franchise. It made the most money out of mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. And the reason it did is because Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 ended up being so good. Right. This list puts Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 as one that should be remade. I I have a hard time with the remaking a sequel like that that, that lives in continuity because you, you risk changing the initial continuity. I mean, if you're not going to do a legit Nightmare on Elm Street, then how are you going to do a sequel with established characters? Right. And this is another one where... And I also think certain movies, and it's, uh, I think it's kind of been poking around the edges of my mind since we've been talking about this stuff, but uh, the Dream Warriors, right? So you've got the, you know, the Dokken soundtrack or whatever. You, you've got certain movies where they live in a time and place in history and Dream Warriors is one of those, like in that middle mid '80s sort of satanic panic, you know, hair metal music video MTV generation. If you remade it, you'd strip a lot of that soul out of it for a modern audience, and probably you'd have to end up making a darker film, um, like they did with Part One. Right, um, right, right. I think it'd be difficult to do. I, I don't think you'd have, and, and again, you wouldn't have the same continuity, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be going towards part four and and on in. Um, like I said, you know, so I'm not the hugest Dokken fan, but you know, you're gonna take that Dokken soundtrack and try to have like Slipknot rewrite it or something. Yeah, you know what they if they did, they would end up doing like a lot of horror movies do. It's a pretty standard thing too. They they always set them in the eighties. Or the yeah. early 90s. And, yeah. and the main reason is because nowadays you could deal with all those problems way faster. Mm-hmm. I could literally just take a picture with my cell phone and show the police. Yeah. <laughs> I could call Uber. My car won't start. I'll have a car here in five minutes. <laughs> and yeah. you, and you, can't, you can't do that in the 80s. It makes it makes things are less accessible. So they just they default. Because you're like, cell phone would solve every problem with this movie. <laughs> you're set in a modern time without cell phones. This movie's instantly less believable. Another one on this list I'm kind of torn on because I could see where it could be freshened up. Because, it, I mean, it was the first, it was Clive Barker's first movie. It was the one out of the gate by the Hellraiser. I can kind of see where people would make the argument it could be freshened up. But you fall along with the same trap where you don't have Doug Bradley anymore to play that role. Right, right, right. Yeah, the the re the recasting of of the Cenobites, especially Pinhead, because he's such an iconic look. I mean, Butterball and, and the Chatterer and stuff. You, you can, can you can that. prosthetic yeah. them all day long. You don't need to call. They don't talk. Call you know <laughs> Nicholas Vincent and stuff like that to come down and do these things. I I think that from a story perspective, if you wanted to remove. If you wanted to kind of slim it down and make it more vicious, it's possible with 
with the whole love triangle thing with the uncle, with with her, you know, her husband's brother, and, and a lot of that movie isn't isn't necessarily horror. Yeah, there's a lot of animosity, yeah. and the, the the vast majority of that movie is about animosity, whether it's the the husband or the wife for the husband, the daughter for the the stepmom, the the wife for the brother. The Cenobites for the escape. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about wanting something that they shouldn't have. Right. And somebody else has it. Now I gotta have it. So I think there's a way that you could do that. And But again, you'd have the problem with the, the horror aspect. Yeah. Like the viciousness. Yeah. Because when that movie gets going with the horror... It gets going. It drips. Yeah. Dude, that movie is visceral. And just a couple of other two that I had that personally that I thought would... Could be added to the list. One, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I think... That was a fun movie when I was a kid. You can be, just like they're redoing Toxic Avenger. That's one. That yeah, be I think a movie like T- Killer Tomatoes should probably be remade every few years. Yeah, kind of like Rock, uh, Rocky Horror. Um, little Shop of Horrors. I'm just joking. No, little, little Shop of Horrors. Right? It gets remade all the day. Like right. But no, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is one of those gateway horror movies where it's not scary, so kids can like it, but it's got horror it's got elements. elements. Yeah. And I think so, it, it so can be it done can better. Kind of draw you into it, and you know, it's it's I, fun. I think that I think that's that's exactly the reason it, it probably should be remade. I think there's the problem with modern horror, if there is a problem, is it lacks the fun. Yeah. The the let's let's not everything it needs to be. Seriously. Yeah, that's not, why independent film is so good. Right. And there can be seriousness in film and I love a good serious horror movie. But sometimes what I want is I want it to go a little nuts. Have Show fun. me some neon colors. Let's have some some crazy shit going on. Let's fucking have fun with it. Let me smile and laugh. I don't have to you don't have to try to scare me so much. Mm-hmm. And the Fun House with by Toby Hooper. I think that's another one that could be know, remade. Maybe I don't know. I love. It's a great movie. But I, I think, love the Fun House I think so be, bad. I do think it could be freshened up. It's. I think it could. I think it would. It would be interesting to find a way for them to do that trope if they tried to make it a modern film. Now they could make it a period movie. Yeah. Neo said it in like the seventies kind of thing. And that would be that would be a little easier, but with today the whole the whole you know fun house being in some parking lot of yeah. a of a town it in like Iowa, sense. it would be a little weird. I mean, you could you could do it, and maybe even do something fun with it. Maybe kind of cross it with like a something wicked this way comes, like this touring devil fair or something like that. Boom! You want to read that announcement on the air? No, I'll let you read. I can't. Actually. You sure? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get that to everybody later on. Well, I'm done, gentlemen. Yo, you guys have anything to add? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of really great stuff out there that that I think it's it's the difficulty is in the rose colored glasses. You know, we we grip so hard onto the things we love, and as, as horror fans, so much of it had been tried to be taken away from us. I mean, ever since you were a kid. Yeah. A lot of families, like I, I was introduced to horror really young and, and it was, it was allowed to happen, but I had friends that couldn't watch R-rated movies. You know, Beavis and Butthead was pushing the line too much. Right. You know, Bart Simpson said hell and people lost their fucking minds over it. So my friends would come over sometimes. I'd have to sneak them horror movies, like in the middle of the night. Like, come on, let's go. We'll go in the living room. We're going to watch a movie. 
And a lot of that was kind of ripped away for a really long time. So we, we held on to it like a security blanket. It was safe. comfort movies. Right. It made us feel good. And we were, we were doing something we weren't supposed to do. It was very forbidden. We were seeing tits and gore. And people were cursing. And they were drinking and smoking. And they were having a good time. And we, we held on to it so much that when it became more acceptable and kind of blew up into the stratosphere as time went on a lot with like comic books and nerddom, that we we started to become resentful. And the resent came from you trying to to take what was mine and make it yours. Mm-hmm. And we, we accept it to a point because horror has only been able to subside due to its fan base. We literally keep our own monsters alive in independent film, in convention form, and all these things. But we love our heroes so much that we, it's, we find it difficult We'd rather see a 14th sequel than mm-hmm. a remake. Otherwise, we turn it to Annie Wilkes. Just call it. <laughs> well, and that's I the think... thing. Just call it. If you call it a sequel, dude, if they took the worst remake you could imagine, like like one of the, the Texas Chainsaw, the one where he was a kid, it was just yes. absolute horseshit. And if you called it Texas Chainsaw Massacre 9, it would be a little less bad. Yeah. Well, and for me, like, like I said, when I was a kid, I was able to read whatever I wanted, and I think you know, as my if I as I cast my memory back, it's like certain things. Like my cousin, I used to go stay at my grandmother's house, and we'd watch Poltergeist was on HBO, and you know, it's like when you mentioned the fun, like like the it, they're, they're under the blanket movies, right. they're they're drive they're drive in movies. That's why I really like you know Pulp Fiction and uh, like that old kind of Sven Gulli like horror host type stuff is I don't necessarily want to see people hurt or killed or scared or, you know, like, this is not really what drives me. What drives me is special effects and cool monsters and interesting plot twists and makeup and that kind of stuff, right? right? right. Um, But whenever you you remake a movie, unless it's a timely remake, then what, what is kind of the studio is trying to tell me almost is that they did it wrong the first time. And I've been carrying things like Jaws and American Werewolf with me my whole life, Poltergeist. And to be like, oh, well, we can do it better. You cannot do it better than Steven Spielberg, Toby Hooper, Craig T. Nelson. <clears throat> right. Um, Robert Heather, England, Heather Wes Rourke, Craven. Wes, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't do it better than them. And even if technically you can because you've got better technology, better filming, better union rates, whatever... Even if you can technically make a better film, you can't take away all of the memories associated with those originals. You can't take away those original being right. scared. You can't take away the anticipation of popping popcorn and seeing the Friday the Thirteenth movie. Or right, 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 right. And so, like, you're you're basically like you're trying to like. So if you're trying to update, like you say, like Basket Case, when you take a movie that could technically be better, and it's a labor of love and you can it's fan service we're going to take this movie that was made on a really crappy budget give it some extra money and do some fan service i'm all for it you know like oh we're going to try to remake jaws like right good luck call it call it something else i think one of my favorite and this this isn't horror but it's it's very much to the point sometimes you know, they take the brand recognition and, and they, they don't realize how much goodwill they're trying to rip out of your hands with brand recognition. One of my, a good, a good remake, not horror, is The Fast and the Furious. 
Mm-hmm. It's a good remake. It's its own movie. It's updated for a modern time. It is almost an exact replica of Point Break. Yeah. Quite, I mean, every bit. The undercover agent infiltrating a group of, of export it's whatever. Yeah. It's the exact same. Down to falls in, falls in with the, uh, the head member's girl slash sister whatever. Ends up pointing fingers at, a, at another group that is similar to their ex-game persona. It's, it's the same movie. All the way Swayze gets caught at the end, or Swayze gets killed at the end of Point Break, and Vin Diesel gets away at the end of mm-hmm. Fast and Furious. But it's the same thing. They didn't call it Point Break. Somebody said, I can do Point Break with modern day shit, and I'll make it. We'll just have to call it something else. Yeah. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. Now, That's a good point. The, it's then they remade some... Point Break and it sucked. And then they tried to do that. <laughs> and you're like, if you would have just called that like Australian action. I'm like, I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. It's a shit movie, but I might have enjoyed it. But because you attempted to call it Point Break, then that's the point of it. It fails before it even starts. You give it something to measure against. That's right. Because now I'm comparing you. But when I first saw Fast and the Furious, and I watched it, fuck, man, this is just Point Break. <laughs> but it's pretty fun. It's not called Point Break. All right. It's its its own thing. Right. But it's the same thing. I was like, fine, fuck it, do it. And I think that's what people people need to do. Like That's why some of the great remakes have worked. Because they, they show the love. They're not trying to make it better. The ones that work aren't trying to make it better. They're trying to make their own. Like Invasion of the Body yeah. Snatchers. Yes. And then Invasion with, with fucking Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. They're the same movie. But one of them said, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Almost exactly across the board. But ours is better than yours. And, and it fails. Well, that's why the thing works so well. Right. It takes the original and it almost doesn't even admit the original exists. There's really no comparison that, between the, the two. You, you forget about the first yeah, one. Yeah. Because it's, it's so good. And it shows its love, but it does its own thing. It, it just, it's masterful. All right. Well, I'm good, man. That is... One hour and 44 minutes of awesome. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I had to trim it down a little bit. <laughs> I know. We, could, we honestly could have kept talking. You know, there's a couple of things that I missed on. But, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, so hey, agree or disagree, lighted, like, you know, lively debates always welcome here and on the forum. Um, so hit us up. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.